Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You gotta take your bumps and bruises as they go. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, Instagram at RedRock underscore B-Ball, Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball, and you can support the show over at Patreon.com slash RedRock underscore B-Ball. Had a couple of days hiatus from the show. We're back in business now. We're going to be looking at the two-game upcoming slate, and that is Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals between the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors, and Game 7 of that Boston-Washington series. Spurs-Warriors on Sunday, Celtics-Wizards on Monday. So, let's get to it. Wrong button. That's better. Michael Bolton says, let's get started. So let's get uh, stuck into it. Actually, before we do, um, yeah, so this is what we'll, we'll be continuing to do throughout the week, and there will be the team previews and that start to come through the week also because we're not having games every single day over the next couple of weeks. There will be some uh, some spread-outedness between the games as we uh, as the NBA tries to spread it moving forward to the finals, which starts 2nd of June, I believe. So we won't be going every single day with uh, with games. There will be some two, three-day breaks, and that's when we'll start sliding in the team review podcast. And also there'll be a, the uh, lottery result podcast as well, which might be actually combined with a DFS preview show as well. We'll see how it all shakes out in terms of when games are played, but that will be coming during the week as well. I might also throw in a... Uh, I might throw in a mailbag pod as well if people have got dynasty questions. I've done the preliminary projections for the top 100 prospects for the NBA draft, so we can answer questions about those guys as well. If you are, if you have any interest in that sort of thing for dynasty leagues upcoming, some interesting results in some of those uh, early projections, which of course change dramatically depending on what team the players go to, but just based on a teamless projection uh, situation, um, some interesting uh, player names came out. Towards the top and a few others push down a little bit lower, but that's something we can discuss if we get into that mailbag pod later on. What we're going to do today, we'll start by talking about the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs, the Western Conference Finals that I think we've been waiting for what feels like for two, three years now. We didn't get it last year. We didn't get it the year before. Um, we've been waiting for this for this Western Conference Finals. It's been, you know, the, the common theme is, oh, the Warriors, the Spurs can knock off the Warriors. The Spurs can knock off the Warriors. I'm not so sure that's the case. In fact, I'm pretty confident it's not. But we finally got it three years later after a quite remaculous that's not that that, maybe that is the word that describes what uh, San Antonio did to Houston remarkable and ridiculous is what I was going for there victory in game six without Kawhi Leonard over the Rockets in was one of the most unfathomable performances from both sides that you could even imagine but not going to dwell on that one too much I'm sure Rockets fans don't want to hear any sort of uh, discussion on that game we head straight in and talk about 
the action that is going to go down on Sunday. It's an early afternoon game on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 12.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 a.m. Australian Eastern time, which is which is a ripper, of course. Love love those early ones. So that's uh, that's what we've got going on Sunday. The Warriors are favored by a massive 10 points. So that's, that's a pretty significant uh, spread early on. The total is 212, which is marginally higher than the Boston-Washington game, which is 210 and a half. Injury-wise, the only one we're really um, uh, paying attention to, which we're, we're actually not, is Kevon Looney, who is listed as questionable. That means absolutely nothing. Kawhi is active. He is ready to go after missing game six. So he'll be uh, he'll be in this game and uh, hopefully producing some good numbers. Now, I just got a question. Jeff Perry has uh, chimed in live. He says, what's with Russ not being named MVP yet? Well, Jeff, we don't know that uh, actually. My name is Jeff. We don't know that Russ is going to be MVP. And secondly, they're not announcing them. They're having an NBA award show after the NBA draft. So we're not getting, which I thought was absolutely bullshit the way that they used to give out the awards. Just a random press conference here and there. Oh, here's the award. Here's the award. Here's the award. I like it. Just all in one go. Bang, bang, bang. Let's get the awards out. And I'm not 100% a fan of the timing to be after the draft. I would have liked it to have been maybe straight after the finals. Maybe even you do it in between the, you give, you know, four or five day break between conference finals and NBA finals and do the awards then. But that is, uh, that is when they're doing it. I think it's the 26th of June from memory that the NBA awards show will be doing. The only things that will come out before that will be the all NBA teams. But the, um, the, all the awards, the traditional awards plus the NBA introduced all those new awards, dunk of the year, play, performance of the year, assist of the year, all that sort of stuff, block of the year. That will all be, uh, coming on June 26th in that award show where Russ or Harden or Kawhi or LeBron or whoever will be named MVP. We're not, uh, it's not 100% that Russ is the MVP, quite clearly, Jeff. All right, let's get into this game. Point guards, we know Tone Parker is out, so we're going to get some more Pat Mills. Interestingly, with Kawhi out in the last game, DeJounte Murray came back into the rotation and played a big chunk of minutes and looked fantastic. And you know I've been a big fan of Murray throughout the season, and I do think that he will become the next, or I did think he would become the Spurs' next starting point guard. Obviously, that long-term injury to Tony Parker does change that dynamic slightly, but Murray showed us things to make us think, you know what, this guy is going to be uh, not maybe not a future all-star, but a future very good starter, and that's how I see Murray performing. Whether he gets into the rotation at all in this game remains to be seen. If Kawhi is there, do they use Mills in 35, 36 minutes and then use Kawhi and Manu as the uh, backup ball handlers? That's what they did in Game 5. didn't work for them. Uh, actually, no, it worked, it worked all right for them in, in that game. Um, but whether they whether they continue to do that remains to be seen. Murray yeah, had 36 points in that game six, but a lot of those performances from the Spurs in game six, it's really hard to get a full gauge on it because it was over in the second quarter. So we had lots of garbage time minutes yeah, with blokes being, being thrown out there for extended periods of time, such as Murray, who, who had a monster 36 in 24 minutes is, is a huge performance. The guy we want to concentrate on is Pat Mills. He's at 5,200. Um, I, I find it tough to go past using him. Now, we do have a lot of high-priced point guards on this slate. Steph, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas. Um, you're really tough to go past those guys. But I think that you're using Pat Mills, especially in a cash game, you're exceeding 5X, almost 100% guaranteed at that $5,200 salary. Really hard for him not to get that, considering the amount of minutes that he is going to play. He's at 54 on DraftKings. 
I just don't see how he doesn't exceed that. Now, you could easily make the argument that having Wall and Thomas in a lineup, Wall and Steph, Steph and Thomas, which is not the combination that I love, is a good idea. But to me, now, at this early stage, looking at Wall and Mills is a good combination. Steph, we know when KD plays, can be a little bit up and down. Thomas has been not at his best throughout this series. So if I'm looking at guys, I'm looking at the solidarity of getting Mills in there and getting, here's my five, maybe six X, and, and banging it straight through and getting Wall in there and then spending up and getting maybe KD, maybe Draymond, maybe Kawhi, as well as my extra money players across the wing rather than going those two point guards. But again, if you've got all that cash left over, if you've constructed a lineup with Mills and Wall and you've got 5,000 bucks left, then you take Mills and you go, thanks, mate. I'll take Isaiah Thomas now. I'll take Steph Curry now and upgrade it. And it ends up with the two high-priced point guards anyway. So that is where you have to be flexible. So you can look at Mills and go, yeah, he's a guarantee for 5X, but that doesn't matter. If he's a guarantee for 5X and gets 25 and Steph might get 4X, but 4X for him is 45, then you do it. It's as simple as that. It's not like, oh, his ratio is not quite there. It doesn't matter. When you've got that extra cash and you, and you, you plonk it onto one of the other guys, he's going to get you 20 more net points. So that's what I mean. Be flexible. Don't look at, even though a guy might be a core guy, it doesn't mean that he has to be 100% locked into your lineup in every situation because there just might be times where getting someone else in there works out to be the best result for you. Now, as for Steph, he is down to 8,800 on DraftKings, which is super good. So you talk about how he does struggle a little bit with KD or is not up to his level. 8,800, that level is absolutely fine. He can easily get that level. And you know, when I talk about he doesn't get to that level, I'm talking about he doesn't get to $10,000 worth of, of value. At 8.8, eight, that's bloody hard to go past. I, I really find it tough to go past. Now, on Fangel at 10.2, that's where I have the concern with Steph. I go, yeah, maybe he's not quite there. At 8.8, eight, really, really hard to go past Steph at that sort of a salary. It is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful price tag that you're looking at with Curry there. Shawnee Livingston is at 1,500. You talk about wanting to go cheap, 1,500, 10 points, bang, done. But the same story with Mills. If you've got all this cash left over, where do you actually spend it? And it might come back that I've got 6,000 bucks left over. I just have to upgrade here. I have to go from Livingston to Mills. I have to go from Livingston to Thomas. You have to do it because what's the point of leaving $6,000 around? But $1,500 for Shawnee Livingston. He had 15 points in game four of the of the Warriors series against the Jazz in 17 minutes. He's averaging 10 points across his last five, which doesn't seem like much, but 10 points at 1500 is a win. It's a big win. So don't discount him on Fangio. On DraftKings at 2400 nowhere near as exciting. But it is a big, big difference with that sort of a price tag thing. Now, DeJounte Murray's at 2,600. I don't think that he plays the 24 minutes that he played in Game 6. I would be absolutely flabbergasted if he played that sort of playing time against uh, against Golden State. But, but keep an eye on him. There's another guy that I'm really more interested in keeping an eye on than, than Murray. But that is something to watch. But yeah, I can't really, can't really see that being the case. Shooting guard, Dan Green, 4,000 bucks. Manu Ginobili, $3,000. Uh, the extra thousand that Manu saves me, I think that's a, a better option to go for. I think he's probably got, um, an ability to give that return on investment a little bit higher. But if I'm looking for a, a guy, again, if I've got the extra thousand, then green is probably on, on most nights, I mean, over 50% of the time, going to give me a better net, uh, point result. Neither of them are strong cash plays. Neither is Clay Thompson, who is at 7,300. Last three games, last five games, in fact, he's averaged just 22 points. That is nowhere near where you need to be at 73. Now, Clay, 
could at any point pop off and drop in you know, eight threes and a half and be an absolute monster and at seven three. He could easily get fifty, but that's why you look at him in multiple GPP lineups and nothing more. You can't go. I want I want Clay as my seven thousand three hundred cash guy. I'd much rather have Dan Green or Manu in there as my cash shooting guard rather than uh, Clay. Now Clay on DraftKings at five thousand nine hundred. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty interesting. But again, his recent form hasn't given him anywhere near that value. 23 points over his last five on DraftKings is not enough at 5,900, but I would feel a lot, lot more comfortable about throwing him in there at 5,900 on DraftKings than I would at the 7-3 on Fangio. So the price of Clay and Steph on DraftKings is just ludicrously low, and it is going to be hard to steer away from those two guys. Um, Small forwards, Durant, Kawhi. Really, really good matchup. Really interesting stuff here for Durant. He The matchup of Kawhi hasn't really bothered Durant too much during the season. 47 points across their three contests. He's at 9,900. I feel better, say, on FanDuel about spending the 9-9 on Durant than I do about the 10-2 on Curry. So that's why I would rather go with a Livingston or a Mills at point guard and take Durant or or uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's at eleven four, which is a uh, which is a pretty stupidly high price considering Durant is at nine nine. I would much rather take Durant at nine nine than Kawhi at eleven four. Now Kawhi has been great through the playoffs, but he's still averaging just forty seven across those first five games in that Rockets Spurs series, and forty seven points at eleven four doesn't get the job done. But Durant, at, if he gets forty seven points at nine nine, much closer to getting the job done. So there's a little bit of a difference there. At uh, DraftKings, 10-3 for Kawhi, 9-9 for Durant. That puts it a little bit closer to me, and I would feel more comfortable with Leonard at 10-3 than the 11-4 he is on Fangio, and I'd probably lean his direction on DraftKings. But <clears throat> the difference in their price on Fangio definitely makes me go for Durant more. Andre Iguodala, 5,200. I, I don't really see that as being something that's going to pay off. While John Simmons at 4,200, they've bumped his price up a significant amount, and that's because he's been playing well. I think he's still going to get a big chunk of minutes in uh, in this series just because of what we're going to talk about a little bit later. So at 4-2, I actually don't think that there's too much of an issue with using Simmons at that. I think he'll probably get that 20-point mark. He averaged 24 in those last three games of the Rockets series. Um, in 29 minutes a game. He might not get the 29, but I think he gets 24 to 25 minutes at least and and can easily put up 25 points or so in that time frame. So he is not bad at 4,200. Over on DraftKings is at 4,600, which is, which is of course, a, a little bit a little bit less appealing. Um, it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 Alice Hopkins says, do you stack Durant and Kawhi or Wall and IT? It's a good question. I think I would look at Wall and IT just because I feel that game has the potential to be closer, therefore more likelihood of overtime and less likelihood of fourth quarter blowouts. Not saying the Warriors are going to smash the Spurs, but I think the Warriors might smash the Spurs. So I think that you're looking to stack the two uh, Wall and Thomas in that matchup just because that game could be closer, overtime potential, and both guys going balls to the wall in a game seven. So that'd be the one that I uh, look at. 
Sharif Ali throws in, what if Golden State blows out San Antonio? Still no Iggy. I think if they blow out San Antonio, Iguodala is one of those guys that they limit anyway. And I don't think they, they bring Matt Barnes in. They bring Pat McCaw in. And I don't think they go, all right, let's rest everyone. Iggy, you go play 35. I, I don't think that's what they do. He's one of those core guys that they do like to get rest to. And I think you'll see more Barnes in there. If it's you know 15 points with eight minutes left, you'll see Barnes and McCaw and Clark and those sort of guys in there rather than them pushing Iguodala up to 30, 32 minutes because he is one of the older players and they do like to limit him as well. So I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Iguodala there at that. Iguodala to me at 5,200 becomes value if Durant is out. If Durant is in, he just has such a different role. And yes, he might play five blowout minutes at the end, but I still don't see that as being a being an option for, for me to look at. Power forwards, LaMarcus Aldridge went bananas in that last game without Kawhi. He's at 50 points. Now he's at 7,800. To me, that might be a little bit fool's goldy just because um, we've seen him struggle against Draymond at times. He did he has rebounded against Green and the Warriors after that first time up against them when he was putrid. But I don't think he's dropping a 50 with Leonard back. So at 7,800, that price has been bumped to a level that I'm not comfortable with. But at 7,000 for Aldridge on DraftKings, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good with that. I think that's a really good price tag to look at LaMarcus and hope that he gets you in that 34 to 39 range, which I don't think is a crazy, crazy thing to expect. You know, at 78, you're hoping for 38 to 45 sort of range. And I don't think, uh, I don't think that's a realistic proposition for LaMarcus, but over on DraftKings at the 7,000, yeah, it's a lot easier. Uh, Dave West at 3,200 is probably a little bit too high, while Draymond's the other one we want to look at, 8,800. Interestingly enough, Draymond has struggled against the Spurs. The last three games, under 29.5 points, which is not ideal at 8,800. Now, he has been a monster in the playoffs. He's shooting threes at about 125%, so that's probably not going to stick. Um, 8,800 is fine. I don't look at him as being an absolute core guy. He's at 79 on DraftKings, so obviously that has a higher level of appeal. But he's still not a guy that I'm 100% just locking in there. And especially if I can get Aldridge, or I can get Aldridge at 900 bucks less, I might lean a little bit towards him. Now, Draymond has been brilliant. He's been much better than Aldridge, clearly, and providing more value. But I'm just not 100% sure that he is able to keep that level of play up. Now, one thing I do want to touch on in this game is the is the uh, Spurs and their big man rotation. We have seen my man, The Undertaker. Dwayne Dedman eliminated from the rotation, which which annoys me to no end. We've seen David Lee start playoff games. We've seen Paul Gasol start playoff games. Uh, I was going to say Lee to varying degrees of success. No, wasn't successful. This one, he wasn't good, especially against Houston. Uh, Gasol had a few decent games and a few games where he struggled. Dedman, I thought when he played, played well. But Pop's not going back there. But, 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 but. Pau Gasol against the Warriors, it's it's not ideal, is it? He's averaged 22 points in 21 minutes in the three games this season. David Lee against the Warriors, 16 points in 15 minutes. So these are all you know point per minute production sort of things. But does it um, does it mean that they're going to play enough minutes for them to be useful? Dwayne Dedman in the three games against the Warriors this year, 17 points in 19 minutes. The production from him is less in that time. But he's a $2,000 player. Powell is a $6,100 player. And to me, that is one of the biggest no-goes of the entire slate on Fangio. Dave Lee's at 3000 I think he struggles to even get uh, double digits in minutes. What I'm saying here for Dwayne Dedman is 
Watch. Just watch. We talk about guys, big men who can go and guard in the perimeter, switch pick and rolls, guard three-point shooters. Very few of them. One of them is Clint Capella, who does well against the against the uh, Warriors. A player who is very similar to Clint Capella is Dwayne Dedman, and he is a player that, if you go look at the, uh, ESPN's defensive real plus minus rankings, total for the entire NBA, I think Dedman's the fifth-ranked player in the entire NBA, not in centers, in the entire NBA in defensive real plus minus. It doesn't mean the Pop's going to play him. He might not. But if you look at the three games that these guys played, Powell had averaged 10, 6, and 3 in 21 minutes and was a minus 12. David Lee was 8.7, 5.3, in 15 minutes a game and was a plus 18.1 against the Warriors. And that's great. 18.1. David Lee, oh, shit, that's good. Dwayne Dedman averaged 5, 5 and 6 in 19 minutes and was a plus 41.6. 41.6 across his 60 minutes of action against the Warriors this season. 41.6. That is huge. Now, I'm not sure that we see it in Game 1, but if Powell and Lee get absolutely roasted, which they might, and Pop might also go just really small, Kawhi at the 4, Simmons in the lineup a lot more, and Aldridge at the 5, which is probably going to be his best option, but he's shown a reticence to do that on a consistent basis. Just watch for Dedman because he has had success against the Warriors. He can switch out on Curry and not get entirely 100% embarrassed like a soul or, or Lee would. And he could switch on to Durant. He can, he can do these things and not be embarrassed and be actually decent at it. And that might be something that comes into these later games. So if you want to get fancy in a very, 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 very multiple lineup GPP situation, 2000 bucks on Dwayne Dedman. If he has to get in there and play 15 to 18 minutes, could easily do it. And his ownership is going to be less than 1%. But just have a look at plus 41 points per 100 possessions. No, not per 100 possessions. Plus 41, just pure plus minus. Plus 41 in 60 minutes in three games is pretty bloody impressive. Minus 12 for Powell, plus 18 for David Lee, plus 41 for Dedman. So it is something to, uh, to consider. Not saying that I would in no circumstance put him into a cash lineup. I would in no circumstance put him into a single entry GPP. But if I'm going multiples, he could be a real interesting wild card. Now, the other centers we've got here, JaVale, Zaza, Powell. You know, I can't really get behind any of those guys. If JaVale was coming in as a $2,500 guy, I would. But he's 4000 bucks. So to me, that's a, just a, a no-go. I go, yeah, cool. No, no worries, mate. I don't think we'll worry too much there. Uh, over on DraftKings, JaVale is at 2,600. So I would look at that and go, you know what? Maybe. More of a GPP than anything, but maybe. Um, that, that could work. Zaza, Gasol at 5,700. I don't really see much happening from those guys. So that's that's my uh, take on that San Antonio uh, Golden State series. Sharif Ali says, what about Murray and Anderson? I talked about Murray before. I'm not sure he plays at all. Kyle Anderson... I'd be stunned if he plays at all with Kawhi back, maybe three, four minutes. Um, you go back to game five of Spurs Rockets and have a look. Murray didn't play. Anderson barely played. And I think that would be uh, more of a thing you, you look at. So I can't really see DeJounte or Kyle Anderson really doing a huge amount there. All right, let's go on to Washington and Boston. The game seven, John Wall hit the game winning three in uh, in. Game six, huge moment for, for Wall and the Wizards. No one has won a, a game on the road in this series, so that portends well for Boston. They are favored by five, and the total is 210 and a half points here. 
Uh, Injury-wise, we're all good, which is uh, always great to hear. Let's start with the point guards. We've talked about them a bit already. Isaiah Thomas is at $9,000 redos. He's averaging under 37 in the last five games of this series. And at 9000 bucks, that doesn't cut it. So that's why he is not that option that I am really loving um, for cash, he's fine. But remember, Mills and Livingston, really nice, cheaper options to enable you to go for Duran and Kawhi and, and Aldridge and Green and those sort of other players. Johnny Wall, 10,600, also hasn't quite been at that level, but he's averaging 49 across the last five in that series. And you know, that's pretty close at 10.6. I think it's closer than where, where Thomas is at 9,000. I would much rather take Wall now. On DraftKings, it's a little bit different because John Wall's at 10.9 and Isaiah's at 8.6. That's a $2,300 saving. And to me, 8.6 for Isaiah Thomas is the direction you want to go rather than that 10.9 for, for Wall, which is a big on the road. It needs a lot to get there. 8.6 is a much cheaper option for Isaiah and I would rather go with him and, you know, and putting him and you can combine the two, as I talked about earlier, but putting him with a, a cheap Steph on DraftKings, who, DraftKings, who is a lot cheaper, as we talked about. You know, Thomas and, and Curry, both for under $9,000, is a really solid starting backcourt. Or, or Not that you need two point guards on DraftKings, but putting both those guys in is, is definitely a way that you can go about structuring a lineup. On Fangio, Terry Rozier is 2,500. Had been great until game six where he had one and a half points. Yuck. In 11 minutes, I think that he will be a little bit better than that, but more of a, more, I would rather take Livingston at 1,500 than I would the uh, Rozier at 2,500 just because in order to break value, you need such, such little or so, so few points in comparison to the 2,500. Now, Brandon Jennings continues to be putrid, so I don't think we need much to see there. He's also 2,500. I would take Rozier over him without too much consideration. Avery Bradley's at $6,000. A good game for Bradley in game six, 38 points there. A strong mid-priced shooting guard option, no problem with him, while Brad Beal at 7,900. He had 44 in that game six win. Um... Yeah, um, 2,000 less, I would rather take Avery. But again, if I've got the extra 2,000 around, I can't find another way to upgrade other positions. Taking Bradley Beal there is, is totally fine. I would, uh, I would absolutely be fine with using both of those guys on, uh, Fangio over Clay Thompson at his 7-3, but on DraftKings, it's a different story where Clay is a lot cheaper. Now, Bradley's also cheaper. He's at 5,800. That's Avery. Bradley Beal at 72, also cheaper, but Bra- Avery Bradley and Clay Thompson on, uh, DraftKings are, are better shooting guard options over there. I believe Marcus Smart also listed as a shooting guard on Fangio. He's at 5,300, has been really minimized in his output this, this series. 22 points over the last five games, which is not quite where it needs to be. He is relatively consistent, so it's not a horrible play, but I think there are going to be better options out there. Small forward, Otto Porter, 5,400, bad in game six, only the 15 points, but I do look for him to bounce back, and I like him at 5,400. I like him much less on DraftKings at 63, and to me, that's one to uh, to leave alone, but I do like him on uh, on Fangio, while Jay Crowder at 6,200. Not sure his upside is very high, but I think at 6'2", his cash value and his floor stability is pretty good. His lowest score in his last five games has been 28. His highest has been 33, and that's exactly what you want from a cash play at that sort of a salary. And that means, obviously, on Fangio, if you're taking Crowder, you can't take both Durant and Leonard. But yeah, maybe that's the way you need to go. And as I talked about, Leonard's price on Fangio is probably just that little bit too high. Jalen Brown's at 2,200. Nothing in what I've seen from Brown is is making me think that's going to be a great option. While Boyan Bogdanovich at 4,000. At 3,000, he's a great option at 4,000. Even at his best, I think that, you know, 
what's he going to put put up? Maybe five and a half x at his best. Yeah, and to me, that's just not worth not worth throwing him in there. Markeith Morris at five thousand five hundred thirty nine minutes in game six, thirty three points. I like him at 5500 a really good way to spend that money at power forward. At 59 on DraftKings, it's not quite as good, but it's still a pretty solid investment, and I think that he's going to have a fairly large ownership percentage throughout this slate. Amir Johnson, who has started the last two games, 2500 He only had the eight points in Game 6. It wasn't as successful as his Game 5. Uh, maybe a tournament, but that's really about it for Amir. And at center, Yun Mihimi, 2300 14 points in Game 6, 2300 It's plenty. It's all you need. Two thousand. If you get you get fourteen points, that's it. You've you've broken through your value. We've seen Marching Gortat's minutes go down. Twenty five points in twenty five minutes for him in the last game. So Mahinmi at two thousand three hundred, totally fine. You look at Gortat, and and to be honest, five thousand three hundred for Gortat, totally fine as well. If he was still sitting up in the mid sixes, and you go shit, no, no way. But at, at fifty three hundred with his minutes reducing, he can easily get to twenty five or twenty seven points. I don't feel one hundred percent confident with it, but it's not a bad price at fifty five for him. That's Gortat over on DraftKings. I'm not one hundred percent there with him uh, on that one, um, just given the the reduced salary cap and higher price. But it's not as egregious as what it might seem. Eighty one hundred for Al Horford. Yeah. Horford's been good, but he's like a 35-pointer rather than a 40-pointer. And that's probably why I'll just say I'm not spending my 8100 on Big Al. Kelly Olynyk also continually priced too high given the minutes that he is playing. Now, on DraftKings, Mahinmi's at 2800 Makes him less appealing than what he is on, on FanDuel, but still has some level there. But Al Horford at 71 on DraftKings is a much more appealing situation, and I do really like him at 71. I feel like he's getting 5x almost no matter what, but for him to push it from 35 to 41, 42 is where the difficulty comes in, and that's why I'm not as interested in him over on FanDuel. All right, I think we're done. I think we've covered both of those games. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Check out all the podcasts. Keep subscribed so as soon as they come out, you know about them. DFS preview stuff, um, NBA draft stuff coming up, season in review podcasts, mailbag podcasts as well. And if you've got suggestions for podcasts you want to see, let me know. You know where to find me, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Let me know what sort of things that you want. If you, there's a certain podcast that you want to come up and we've got that time to throw it in, we will throw it in. So make sure you let me know what sort of stuff you are after. Check out basketballmonster.com for our DFS projections through the conference finals, of course. And at this point, people have been asking me, are you going to be doing WNBA projections? At this point, no, we're not. That may change. I doubt it. But people are asking if we're going to be doing it. No, we're not at this point. Um, if you do want to support the show and become a supporter, head to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. It is $3 a month. As I've said before, that's like half a beer. It's a, a, a one coffee for the month. If you do like this podcast and me as an independent broadcaster and you want to throw some money behind it in these uncertain times of sports broadcasting and journalism as evidenced by the ESPN layoffs and you like it and you want to throw $3 a month on there, I would gladly appreciate that. So, patreon.com slash redrock underscore beeble we are done here guys thank you so much for listening everyone see ya paul pierce